House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Why, yes, this is Capital Ideas, the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol to talk about ideas. The lawmaker today is Representative Mia Gregerson, and the ideas are about making Washington State a more equitable playing field, starting with state agencies. Mia is prime sponsor of legislation that aims to do just that, and you're about to hear from her. First, there's this. 2020 is Mia's eighth year in the state house. She's a former mayor of SeaTac and chairs the House State Government and Tribal Relations Committee. If you live in Des Moines, Kent, SeaTac, or Normandy Park in South King County, she works for you. We talked a couple of days ago, and here's how it went. Welcome, Representative Mia Gregerson. I really appreciate you being on Capital Ideas today to talk about a very important topic. That topic is equity. It's an important term that's been heard more and more in political conversations here in Olympia and around the country. You are particularly identified with championing the issue of equity here in the legislature, and one of your biggest bills is to establish an office of equity under the governor's office. Let's start by talking about the concept of equity. What does that really mean to you, and why does it seem like an important issue? I believe that equity is really a transformational way to see the work that we're doing and understand the services that we're trying to provide and then who the recipients are that are gaining access and actually using those services that we spend a lot of time doing a lot of work around making sure that we're we're providing good Uh, quality services. Looking for a solution kind of implies that there has been a problem. Has there been a problem with members of different communities, maybe communities of color, maybe different socioeconomic communities being able to access government services? My background is being in the health field. So I really understood as a newer council member in the city of SeaTac when the health impact statement first came out in 2009-2008 from the Department of Health that really talked about different census tracts and what that meant when it came to outcomes, longevity of life, access to health, uh, healthy foods. Uh, Back in that time, we were still understanding what uh, food deserts were and uh, walkable streets, the lack of sidewalks, uh, low-grade lighting, things like that. And really trying to understand, if you went upstream, how laws and policies really affected that place matters. So if you fast forward that, it really helps to build a platform for where we are today and that the data continues to tell us over and over that certain communities, especially communities of color, where multiple generations of intergenerational poverty exists, areas where there's environmental disparities, that the outcomes continue to show that we are just not having the impact that we want when it comes to these services and programs that we're trying to provide. The study you mentioned and the phenomenon you're talking about is is the one that said that if you live in a given zip code, your life expectancy can be predicted by what zip code you live in and, and that there could be a swing there of 
10 years in life expectancy. You're absolutely right. In King County, which is one of the largest counties in the, in the nation, um, but also some of the wealthiest people in the world live, it was quite apparent that in my community in SeaTac, South King County, we lived around 10 years less than others in the same county. So at the same time, there's also this movement around suburbanized poverty. And what that meant also is how funds would really still continue to go into the larger cities, but the population and poverty was really growing in the suburbs. And those, all that data that we're talking about this morning is really um, a conglomeration of telling the story of what suburbanized poverty does to communities like mine. Tell me how the Office of Equity Bill, which is for those paying attention to bill numbers, it's House Bill 1783. Tell me how that would have an impact on things like what we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. like access to services, access to better health care, access to more nutritional food, access to maybe lower crime rates. I mean, all kinds of things that can define the quality of life in a given community. I really like um, talking about this because, first of all, we'd be the first state in the nation to have a statewide office of equity. And I really want to pay recognition to so many people who have put multiple years of work into this alongside or along with me. And of course, none of this is done where I know the most. So although my name might be first on the bill, it has nothing to do with actually really where the concept comes from, where the intellect comes from, and then of course the work and how it's being done. And that's in partnership with the governor's office uh, and also my Senate counterpart and now the task force. The office itself follows the concept that 150 other jurisdictions around the country are already doing. And I think a lot of nonprofits, you, you hear a lot of speaking points coming from nonprofits providing programs. And the idea is that if we can go upstream and we can understand the data and then drive our budgets, our policies, uh, our training, our language, our being a little more cultural competent at, at, in our workplace um, will help us to be a better government, a better institution. Uh, with that, though, you'll find that the other jurisdictions do not have any element of accountability. And so this opt-in concept is much more comfortable for folks. In this regard, we believe, especially listening to the community, that if you're going to put something forward, the best thing you can do is have an, an accountability element to it to ensure that we're actually checking ourselves on it and that we are ensuring that truly we're doing the work that we're promising our communi community we want to do. We're, we're recording this on Friday, February 28th. There's a hearing on this bill this afternoon in the Senate. I suppose you're going to be testifying in favor of this bill at 3.30 this afternoon. Is that correct? I will certainly be testifying in favor for this bill this afternoon. I think that the chair would probably appreciate it if I testified quietly in my, uh, <laughs> wherever I am, purely because there's so many bills coming forward. Uh, we're at that time of the year where taking up time actually is hurting the process for other things too. So uh, we certainly have talked about this a lot. I'm excited for my members on, in the Senate to have that time to really listen and learn and then hopefully have a productive caucus about it. Ultimately, um, this is where the, the bright line happens when government decides that, first of all, it's recognizing it's not serving everybody, and second of all, 
it wants to hold itself accountable. Not everybody loves this bill. I think that the Republicans were not crazy about it. Some of the objections are the kind of things you you typically hear from that side of the aisle quite often. It expands government. It's we don't need another government office. Uh, it's uh, gee, this is money that could be refunded to taxpayers instead of spending uh, X thousands of dollars to establish an office of equity. I think that most, if not all, of those arguments were countered with actual facts, which demonstrate that really this is not going to break the state's bank. Uh, this is equivalent to, in the terms of the state budget to picking up a penny off the street. But you're still going to run into those same arguments in the Senate. How are you working on this bill over there? The reality is, is that although it feels like a moment in time where a decision is being made, so a transaction is happening, this is work that's been done over the last 24 months, at least here in Olympia and around the state. We've traveled around the state to listen to communities, get feedback, put that in the legislation as we've put strikers on this bill, and of course have people at the table who represent communities. So. As we do with everything, we're building momentum around the concept and helping to break down the complicated truth around something that seems so grand. So hopefully that all that work will start to shed light in helping to calm those who have concerns about what this means and what the future will bring. Do you think part of this might just be the human tendency to be reluctant to do new things, to change things? Change is hard. Um, especially I find as I get older, change <laughs> becomes less and less easy. But I also believe that there's just such a strong yearning to move into this new space. I feel lucky that funding for this office is in all three budgets. And it may not be at the same level, but what that does is it puts something on paper that says that there is a value to this and that we must do something. And now it's about what do we do? Um, and how do we do that? So I do believe that this is the year and it will only be the first step, but sometimes that first step is the hardest. I know you need to get over to the House floor pretty quickly because there's going to be bills debated and run on the House floor today. Uh, they can't do that without every vote. But before you go, is there anything you want to add here as kind of a, uh, an exclamation point on this conversation? Oh, thank you. I really would love to make sure that those that have interest in this work remember that the way the systems have been created have really made it difficult as a government institution to have thoughtful, intentional conversations with our communities. And that's what they're yearning for. We see it in state government committee when it comes to voting. We can talk about access to democracy, but when people aren't actually going and exercising their vote, either because they feel disenfranchised due to who's running or a misunderstanding of how their vote is or is not counted, the difficulty and when to vote, what days to re-register. When those things are happening through the lens of equity, I believe that we will have a healthier community, a more engaged society, um, one that will hold us accountable on their own. We do work for the people and I'm excited to continue to work towards that arc of justice. I'm excited to have been able to have this conversation with you today, Mia. Thank you for coming to Capital Ideas. Thank you, Dan. This has been fun. <laughs>
If you feel like you got something worthwhile out of the last few minutes, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas wherever fine podcasts are available. This is your state government, and what happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.